SW's Geico. Let's go. Alongside CJ Zuki. I'm Zach Meisel. Welcome to the Sylvia's Godcast. Oh. Did they not censor that? Did they explain their bell part? That is Fernando Rodney's entrance song. And uh, boy, in Minneapolis, if you ever go and. Got some pipes. Yeah, I would be coughing halfway through, especially if I felt any intestinal turmoil, which I feel generally whenever I see a Fernando Rodney appearance, because they're usually quite uh, exceptional. Is one way I would phrase. But it, it is cool. They they have the what would you call that? The the what they do with the lights? Like a strobe light? Almost strobe like that. Lights. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have a seizure, it's a really good time. Um, when he comes into the game. so Just think if they could use that tagline on just about everything. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Selby's Godcast. Zach Meisel, TJ Zuby here. Yeah, where if you don't have a seizure, it's a hell of a good time. <laughs> uh, and there's not much to talk about. Oh, well, thanks. Guess I'll hit stop. We just here. we got everyone's energy levels up and That's all that adrenaline way to begin any podcast. We have nothing. No, Stay it, tuned for the next 30 minutes where we'll go through the entrance song of every Twins reliever. <laughs> no, I guarantee this is going to be an interesting podcast, though, because I think sometimes when there is little to talk about that, we it lends itself to more compelling conversation. Well, why don't you just let that happen instead of so we're going to guarantees. We are going to go through every segment from Hard Knocks and analyze what it means. I turned on the radio today. It's the first thing I heard. I it's thought I was safe at like, first, middle and last thing. I told I you I was not late. to listen to Sports Talk Radio I, today. I, it was late in the hour. I thought maybe they'd got that out of their system, but they were breaking down segment by segment, bit by bit, piece uh, by piece. And I think Hard I think Hard Knocks is cool. It's a little weird when you're in the media because basically you don't get the full coverage that you want. You don't get the answers on certain topics that you want because they have to save it for the show. Um, but Yeah, do you think our intern, Jimmy Watkins, got paid for being on camera? Shout out, Jimmy. He, he was on camera. If you are in Berea, there's a good chance you're going to be on HBO. So you tell that sign a waiver, parents. maybe? I think as soon as you walk through the doors... You, you should are, probably you have to sign taking, a waiver to cover the Browns anyway. You are taking ownership of the fact that you might be recorded. Haven't you ever seen that when they're recording movies? They'll often put, uh, or they're recording anything. You'll often see a sign that says, if you enter this area, you yeah. are agreeing that you could be used on television. So I'm sure it's probably something similar to that. Anyway, what I meant by there's nothing to talk about is the Indians are in a weird spot. Like Brandon Geyer's playing center field. Jose Ramirez told us today he wants to play catcher. Uh, just and like pitch. Yeah. Just we're in a spot where there's they're kind of playing out the string, right? You know, they, they want to win games. They would... In well, they're not saying that, but it has that sort of feel. Yeah, but it. the division is pretty much in hand, and they're probably locked into the three seed unless they go on another 22-game winning streak. So, At this time last year, you probably were saying the same thing. We don't need to start talking about the playoff roster and matchups and stuff like that because it's still early August. So let's talk about... Did you say August? Let's talk about something unrelated to that. Uh, during the rain delay Tuesday night, someone asked me for my all-time... Cleveland Indians starting lineup and it was it's remember they did that at the 97 right they did the or the when they had the 100 year yeah, franchise 2001. 2001 yeah they did like the the all-time team you're thinking basically. of the 1997 NBA all-star I was, game. I was yeah 
Scotty Pippen, top 50 player. How about I, that? I can buy that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a top 50 player now? <laughs> Maybe. It's a top heavy league. Anyway, it's interesting because you now have Kluber to consider if we're doing pitching. Lindor, Ramirez. You told me there would be no pitching. Brantley. You have new people, and it, it made me think two things. Number one, I love reminiscing about the good old days of the 90s. And number two... Yeah, because the baseball is just not what it once was. <laughs> what was the tweet we were when I dissecting up, last night? When I grew up, there were diving plays and home runs and wins and losses. Nowadays, it's all about <laughs> war. But yeah, I mean, both of those wins and losses still I, exist. What is what is that? Well, you still have diving catches and double plays, home runs, God, walks, strikeouts, people over batter suck. interferences, and that's the first time I had seen that live. So, yeah. anytime you come to the ballpark, you have a chance of seeing something new. You know why baseball's dying? Because the people who are close to dying think baseball sucks now. How long will it be until we feel that way? I mean, you already are borderline there. Because well, last you, night, are, you want to continue to talk about that the rain delay Indians. and that boring ass game after. Yeah, it was but brutal. But how many games in 1996 were exactly like that? Where Paul Hoynes probably sat there and was just, "Ugh, I've had enough of this." That's a good point. I mean, work becomes work for anybody. No, no. I when know, you I love know. what you do, I there know. are still times where it's work. But that's why I think. Everyone bitching and moaning about the state of the game should just stop. And the game is awesome right now. Yeah. Actually, you have guys throwing ninety-eight friggin' miles per hour coming out of the bullpen. The worst pitcher on the Indian staff, who just got DFA'd, Zach McAllister, was throwing ninety-seven miles I per will hour. Ninety-seven. Now, I mean, you could say whatever you want about the state of that pitch or that he couldn't get a feel for a consistent curveball and that's why he was never able to emerge more than just being a kind of middle reliever sort of guy. Oh, that's fair. 97 miles per hour 20 years ago? That was that was mind-blowing. Now a guy comes out throwing 99 to 100 and you're like, well, wake me up when it's 105. Do you think like... Imagine so, being a hitter trying to get a hit right now. So maybe this is a bad example because he throws submarine, but Adam Simber throws like 85, 86, 87 maybe. If he's lucky. Yeah. Do you think like imagine having people from 1910 watch him pitch and they're probably like oh my god that guy throws some major heat <laughs> like, yeah yeah that plus they would be like this guy with his submarine style throwing is ruining our game he must be a demon <laughs> anyway so look at his long hair back his to the facial point. hair so i was thinking we all you know, we've all considered that. We, we think about how amazing the lineup was in the 90s. And yet Lofton, Vizquel, Alomar, which we've talked about, should not have been ordered the way it was ordered. Uh, with Manny and Tomey hitting 6th, 7th, 8th sometimes. But it's cool to think about, well, now you probably have to fit Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez in there. Do you? Well, maybe. Two years ago... If I would have told you one of those two had a chance to become the greatest ever at that position in Indians franchise history, pretty sure I know who you would have picked. Today, I think you could make a stronger case for Jose Ramirez being the more clear-cut third well, I said baseman. both. But I'm saying if you have to pick. Okay. If you would have had to have picked two years ago. you even well, yeah. said it, Didn't you say last night, imagine, th think about what you thought about Jose Ramirez in 2016. Yeah, so we thought, Jose Ramirez, he, didn't he hit 11 home runs that year? And, like, reach base 
batting average was great. He had 50 doubles or something like that. So the season was amazing. He hit third. No one was questioning it. And we fifth. were thinking like... Fifth. Oh, he hit fifth that year. That's right. Napoli. But, so, but we were thinking that year like... This guy is man. What a great hitter! And like, look at this slash boy, the, the 312, 363, 462. Great hitter. And we're that's, thinking like, that's man, an this guy. Twenty five OPS, one hundred and fourteen OPS plus. You're thinking, oh wow, that's really really good. Yeah, and so we're thinking, hey, the Indians found their left fielders, third baseman, whatever it was, um, and. and who knew that he would turn into what he did last year? And last year, you were like, oh my god, this guy could hit 30 home runs. 318, 374, 583. Basically added 120 points to his slugging. Right. And so you have no idea. It's like, I'm sitting here now and I'm like, okay, well, if, if I want to be prepared for the future, then I need to just realize that Jose Ramirez next year is going to hit 350 with a 450 <laughs> on base and like an 800 slugging percentage. And he's going to catch and pitch. Yeah, so he... That was an interesting. What did you take away from that conversation? With that he is confident enough to just believe he can do whatever he wants yeah. because he he thinks he's that talented. And based on what we've seen, based on what we've seen the last few years, I wouldn't put it past him ever being talented in anything he put in his mind. He did get uh, he got rejected pretty hard today, though. I don't know if you caught this. He asked Shane Bieber to play Mario Kart, and Bieber said, "No, oh, I'm sorry, man. I gotta go." Uh, I don't know if he was throwing a bullpen today or watching a bullpen but he had to leave and just watching Jose sit there with like sad puppy eyes oh, darkness my old friend uh, it was very sad it's the first time that he's like not gotten what he wanted in three years couldn't he just play the computer do you need to play somebody else yeah you could definitely part? play the computer right. no because it's you could play with is it up to four people probably? Um, yeah, I think it's. Up but there are eight people in every race, so you're always playing the computer. I don't think it matters how many people there are. But he refuses. To, he needs can a they, buddy. Can they like? Can they set it up where Adam Plutko can play him from wherever he's at? I don't think like the Nintendo Switch or whatever. Yeah, like online can't do I don't that because it's like an arcade style setup. I want that in my house, by the way. Have you seen the arcade thing? That the, I mean, you've seen the Mario Kart, but have you seen how many games are on that thing? No. It's ridiculous. You've got, uh, there's like a Mortal Kombat game. There's an X-Men game. The X-Men game, I used to play that every single time I went to my grandparents. He would, my, my grandpa would take me to the mall, and we'd end up, and by the way, we're just in Grand Central Station right now. <laughs> every freaking person on the planet's coming in this room. It's actually the same person. <laughs> Um, and you want to take this phone call for me? Anyhow, I used to always go to the mall. My grandpa would load up with quarters. He'd take me to play. I would play that X-Men game for hours. They've got that on that system. I want that arcade unit in my house right now. Uh, and we are hoping... I am laying the groundwork because Jose Ramirez asked me to play him in Mario Kart the other yeah. day. That I, I am hoping to be able to play him one-on-one and then write about it. Maybe get a little video. Uh... I think that would be fun. Would you want to? I mean, you're going to get embarrassed. So my sister-in-law is like a Mario Kart savant. Would you have like a lot of practice? And I asked her if we could find time in the next week or so to to practice. She, So we got, my wife got me a Nintendo Wii actually for Christmas. And a Wii? Yeah. A Wii, Wii U? Wii U? Wii U. What's the newest one? That. I think. Isn't there a new one? I, I thought there was an even new one. I hadn't played video games since sophomore year of college. So uh, she got... Because I, I had wanted 
I'd been talking about how I missed playing Mario Kart. So she got the Wii U. She got me Mario Kart. That's the only game I've ever played, really, on there. And when we got it... You have the steering wheel? I can't use that. i got to use the old school controller. Damn. Yeah. Steering wheel's fun. Uh, I'm not... No, I can't do that. Anyway. so Kids these days. So, like, I'm, I'm all right at it. I'm fine. But my sister-in-law comes over and just kicks ass. First every race. And... Is this the one that was arrested? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we... So I remember... I don't know when this was. It was probably like that week between Christmas and New Year's. And she's just over and she's kicking everyone's ass, finishing first every race. And we get to Rainbow Road and I'm like, I'm going to win this race. And she's like, why? You've been like eighth place every time. And I'm like, if I win this race, you have to buy me Chick-fil-A. And somehow I pulled it out of my ass and wow. I finished first. So well, I mean, when you have Chick Fil A on the line, exactly. I mean, so I need the ultimate. That's how I need to approach it with Jose. Yeah, uh, but that'd be fun. I, I think wouldn't make promises you can't keep, but now that you're throwing it out there, it has to happen. But it's it's fun watching it. So Carlos Carrasco posted a video of Jose losing to Shane Bieber, which it was cherry picked because I think Jose finished first like every other race except that one. But in the video, Jose's like turning around and like looking at the camera, watching Carrasco, and like. Yeah, he was still in fourth or fifth place before that the video started, but like you could tell he I don't think he was putting his full He's effort into it. Yeah. So anyway, so that's really why relates. Jose Ramirez would be my starting third baseman on my all star team. <laughs> uh okay, so let's go up position by position. Well let's talk, let's talk about third base. I mean Al Rosen yeah. has the best third base season of anyone yeah. in major league history. How but he didn't have longevity in his career. See, as I'm doing this, I'm I'm also trying to maybe I should just think about doing it today, but I'm also weighing the future for these guys. I'm just anticipating that Jose Ramirez, even if right. this isn't what he is forever, uh, for the length of his Indians career, even if he goes back to what he was two years ago, which is still above average really good player. I'm just kinda anticipating what the future and sort of weighing that in, which is why I probably would lean toward putting him on my team. Third baseman? Third baseman. Yeah. I I agree. Which is crazy because it's not even his best position. It's probably not even where he should be playing. I mean, he might play second base for the next seven years with the Indians. We don't know. I mean, he was a gold glove finalist last year and only played half the season at third base. Yeah. It speaks to, one, how silly some of the gold glove... Uh, things are determined, but also Rafael Palmero once won one. He played like twenty games at first base. I don't even think it was that much. I think it was like eighteen. Uh, but oh, you know, sorry, the Orioles, so far off. The Orioles should sign him, by the way. So I would put Jose Ramirez at third base on my team. Okay. But the more interesting question is because that also relates to Lindor. It's a similar sort of conversation, but right? Lindor. Well, who are the candidates at shortstop? Well, I mean, you, Boudreaux, Boudreaux and is absolutely at the front of that list. Yeah. And you take into account that he was also a player manager. Yep. And it's their last World Series. Just how important it was to the franchise, I still would put Boudreaux up ahead of Lindor. So this is tough because like, I think we assume Lindor will leave after 2021. So are we, we're also only taking into account that he'll have, what, six and a half seasons here? Seven seasons here? And it's like, in that time, he probably won't surpass Boudreaux. Maybe not. If we knew he was staying for twelve seasons, maybe that's a different conversation, right? I mean, if you, if yeah, if you knew he was staying for twelve seasons, it's absolutely a different okay. conversation. 
there's a sense you have a greater sense of Jose Ramirez being here a little bit longer. Right. Signed through twenty twenty three. Right. So that plays into it too. Okay. So Boudreaux is the shortstop? Yes. That's what I'm going with. What this is tough are. too because like I like we never saw him play and we like I was I'm gonna ask at the end of this how would we would assemble the lineup. I don't know where Boudreaux should hit. What if he doesn't like hitting leadoff? I put all my speedy guys at the, the top of the lineup. I put all my power hitters at the four and five spot. All right, second base. This is easy. This is easy? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to be... Ricky Gutierrez. Oh, uh, I was going to say... Uh, <laughs> Ronnie Belliard. Luis Rivas. Ah, uh, okay. Can we name more of those second basemen who sucked between Robbie Alomar and, and Jason Kipnis? Ronnie Belliard was good, but... There was an so many. There were like forty. I think there were forty-three people who started at second base: Anderson Hernandez, Hector Luna. Keep going. Barfield. Joe Inglet. Joe Inglet. The other one, Jamie Carroll. Uh, Ricky Gutierrez. You said, man, they went through so many guys. It was a like Zach Sorensen. Remember him. 2003? Yeah. Shortstop coming up. Greg LaRocca? Was he a second baseman? I think he played third, but I wouldn't rule out him playing second base. Usually we wait to throw out these names later in the podcast. And we will. All right, so Nap Lajue, right? 100% Nap Lajue? It's hard because Robbie... So when when the person asked me this... On Twitter, Last I said they played 13 years. Yeah, I said I said Robbie Alomar and I said Lindor just because I was thinking I I wasn't thinking it in terms of like their Indians career. I was thinking it in terms of their peak level. Yeah, no, that's like true. Robbie Alomar's three seasons in Cleveland were aside from the 2001 ALDS were insane. Three Gold Gloves, three Silver Sluggers, three All Star seasons. He hit 300 every year. On base percentage was great. Hit for some power. Scored a shit ton of runs, stole bait. Like, he did everything. He was perfect. Nap Lajue, yeah. his first year. Before, they named the team after him. I mean, Jesus after, Christ. After the, he got dealt to the Indians in 1902, his, his, his final full year before getting traded to the Indians, his slash line was 426, 463, 643. It's funny because he led Not the league in all walks, of those. Huh? But 426, 463. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Just continuously. Now, well, if you knew you could get a hit every yeah, time you swung the bat, why walk? put it in play yeah. and get the hit. Um, but but it, a 198 it's, it's, OPS plus. But that was not the highest OPS plus of his career, by the way. That came with Cleveland when he led the league in slashing uh, 376, 413, 546. Yeah, I kind of wish we. It's so hard to compare eras. Well, that's why I use OPS Plus. I know, but it's still not... And those that don't know, OPS Plus, it, it puts everybody on an even footing. So it tells you how far above or below average that player was uh, in his era. So it helps helps you compare er- across eras because, you know, somebody hitting... There's somebody having a super high average and a ton of offense in the late 90s might be different than a guy doing it in 2004 let's say so now i can compare a guy that has like for instance i was saying 190 that's 90 percent better than the average in that year so then i can look across and see somebody else who has a 190 the numbers might look better or worse yeah, but it's compared to it helps era. the most too especially with the era we're talking about so much with the 90s indians because 
you know, in the year 2000, if you didn't have a 900 OPS, then you sucked. <laughs> like, so, first base. First base is easy. Yeah, you think Casey Kochman? I was leaning that way. Uh, I mean, you have to go with your home run leader, don't This Isn't that a foregone conclusion? Yeah, it's Jim Tomey. Yeah. Right? I don't, it's pretty no, simple. No, he just, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, I would, without question, put him at first base. All right. Catcher, is that difficult at all? Yeah. I mean, is Sandy Alomar your answer? Sandy Alomar is my answer, but... What about Victor Martinez? Uh, that's where, one way I was going. And it's difficult because Carlos Santana, when he was catching... Over, if you looked at his entire Indians career, he would be up there with Victor, but because he didn't play his whole career behind the plate, and we're also he'll always in. be a third baseman to me. Because <laughs> to me, he'll I'll always think of him playing left field at Wrigley. Yeah, boy, in that batting practice. So this is before Game Three of the World Series. I'm sitting next to August Fagerstrom. We're sitting there oh. watching, you know, Fangraphs writer. Uh-huh. So we're sitting there watching BP, and this is Carlos Santana playing the outfield. And seeing if he can do it. He's already in the lineup playing left field in Game 3 of the World Series at Wrigley Field, right? Got Ivy and all this other bullshit he's going to have to deal with. First ball gets hit to him, flubbed. (laughs) And I will never forget, August is recording this on his phone, and he tweets it out, and Indians fans all shit their pants. (laughs) Well, and then he, was it Schwarber who hit it to him in the first inning of that game? Yeah, I think it was like the second hitter. Yeah, and he caught it. He was fine. He was fine. Tito said his heart was in his throat. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was warranted. Yeah. Uh, but Yandy Diaz can't play in the outfield. Oh, God. We don't have time on this podcast. So he would play what, right field for you on your all-time team? <laughs> so so it's Victor or Sandy? I think so, yeah. I think that would be... And I, I would give Sandy the edge. Because we're also factoring in Sandy's work behind the plate. Yeah. Victor, Victor, Victor was terrific offensively. Um, and continued to be late into his career up through this year, basically. But you're taking the full account of what they were doing behind the plate, too, framing and throwing guys out. I mean, you don't have the the detailed stats we have today, the trusty ones, to go back and see how just how good Sandy was behind the plate. But, I mean, his reputation kind of uh, gives you an idea. Pitchers loved throwing to him. The only thing that held him back in his career was injuries. If he didn't get hurt, you would be. this would be a much clear-cut answer for me. Okay. Outfield. Outfield is where I'm... Really struggling. Well, can we? Is center field easy? No. Oh. And do I have to put them specifically? So when I did this, I actually put. And are you picking a DH? I put one of my corner DH? outfielders okay. at DH. That's what I did too. I think it was Albert Bell. That's what I put as DH. For okay. Me. Yeah, I in my outfield I went Dobie, Manny Ramirez, and then Trispeaker. So I went Kenny Lofton instead of Tris Speaker, but I wasn't again. I I had trouble comparing the er, I mean, really Kenny, early days. Kenny Lofton, he should be a Hall of Famer. For, uh, 1994, that dude. Go look at his numbers from yeah. 94. He was on pace for an MVP caliber season before that season got cut short. And like, if he was putting up those numbers today, I think they would be far more appreciated. Oh yeah. For sure, because then we'd be looking at just his total, not just the offense, but, you know, in his heyday, stealing runs in center field, the stolen base threat, so you would be taking into account more of his base running numbers. Right. Every time it's a single, it's basically a double. That's going to boost your slugging percentage. That's going to yeah. completely change the way people think about you. 
Uh, so he was right there. I mean, he would be right there. But we agree on Manny and Albert Bell and Larry Doby. Manny was so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, and he was sitting seventh for a few years. <laughs> yeah, remember when Jim Tomey would platoon with Herbert Perry? Uh, yeah. But that's my team. Alomar, Tomey, Lajue, Ramirez, Boudreaux. Is this your Dobie, lineup? Ramirez, Speaker, Bell. Bell hitting ninth? Yeah. <laughs> How do you think he would take that? I had trouble with the lineup because... So many of the hitters, like, okay, if I wanted Lofton to lead off, okay, well, then how do you order Lindor, Ramirez, Robbie Alomar, and then you still have, like, Bell and Manny okay, when you have a lineup Tomey. that's talented, could you just pick them out of a hat? Yeah, probably. And in addition to helping you sort the lineup, it can also be a hat. It, it, it's, like, you end up with... It Lind- would literally be a sorting hat. Lindor is hitting, like, eighth. In this lineup, I was really proud of that pun. By oh, the way. That, yeah, that's pretty good. All right, do you want to do pitching? That would be so difficult. No, I think this is easier because it's just your starter or your. I know, leader. but I was actually doing research before oh. we started. Now, well, who does research? Because I like to, you know, have some facts and at least something to back up. But like, is it crazy to you that Corey Kluber? That Cor- like Corey Kluber is the first or second name you put down there. Just because of what he became late in his career and continues to be, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, if you look at the numbers, he deserves to be right there, top two or three. If he wins another Cy Young, he's one of ten pitchers to do it. I feel like I've said this stat a hundred times. You have seven of them. Seven of the nine are Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. No, seven of the ten, and the other three are Scherzer and Kershaw, who will probably be Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers, and Roger Clemens, who won seven Cy Young awards. Yeah. And then stuck a needle in his ass. Allegedly. Or maybe we have proof. I don't know. I can't keep track of it all. Uh, but, you know, how would you order them? How would you order your rotation? Feller won. He was really good, okay? I don't. I, I need to preface oh, this with boy. a lot of stuff. He was really good. Next you're going to say Bernie Kozak sucks. He threw really hard. He was a workhorse as... A lot of pitchers were in that era. And he got his career shortened by the fact that, I don't know, he went to go fight for his country. And the fact that he valued that so much more than his career is the greatest thing about him. But his numbers, like, he walked a lot of guys. If you look at the, and remember, I was going to write about this months ago, and then Kluber started pitching poorly and got hurt. If you look at his numbers especially compared era to era. They are really, really good. They are not absolutely elite, dominant. Like, like Kluber beats him in some categories. And I know that's heresy. And I know if you look at it in the with the lens of, like, pre-sabermetrics, you see, oh, 27 yeah. wins, 24, 25, 26. He led the league in wins six times. He led the league in the RA once. His ERA plus. What was his FIP? His FIP was three forty eight. That's good. What's Kluber's career FIP? Uh, his ERA plus was one twenty two. It's also tough to compare FIP because it's all based on strikeouts, and we're talking about a different era of strikeouts. Just now. Feller's ERA plus was one twenty two, so he was twenty two percent better than league average. What was? Kluber's defense behind him. Kluber's ERA plus is one. Plus plays Kluber's ERA plus is one thirty nine, and his FIP's two ninety eight. Just saying. It's the longevity too. 
It's, I, I'm not saying Kluber is better than Feller. I'm not saying he deserves to be the number one starter on this fictitious staff. But I think if Kluber builds some longevity, he certainly has a chance to okay, be the get, best pitcher in let's, team history. Let's get, let's get to the mo- most important thing. Where does Mitch Talbot fit in? Mitch Talbot. What about Tomo Oka? <laughs> yeah, or Toru Morata. Okay, but who like Sam McDowell is probably on there. Yeah, yeah. Like, is CC Sabathia? You know, I was talking about Cologne? this uh, yesterday with Alex Hooper from ninety two three The Fan. Is CC a Hall of Famer? I say yes. He might be. I say CC's a Hall of Famer. Is he going as a Yankee? <laughs> I would imagine. He's or a going. Brewer? A Brewer. I would imagine he's going in as a Yankee. That's too bad. Yeah, just Is that official? The longevity. I, I, I don't know. He's spent eight years with the Indians, 01 to 08, straight in 08. Mm-hmm. And then he spent the rest of 08 with the Brewers, and it's been 09 to 18. So he spent. He's been with the Yankees longer. Now. For like a year or two longer? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's pretty close. Uh, is CeCe on the team? Uh, I, I, for what he did with the Indians, probably not. No? No. Don't you think you could probably find. Like Bob Lemon? Yeah. Early win. I don't Tom know. Candiotti. Bartolo? No, not Bartolo. Dennis Martinez? Jared Wright? Now we're just naming names. <laughs> well, I told you I wanted to have some predetermined. No, I. It, it's so hard to compare this. Some, one guy played 10 years of the Indians, one guy played four, but those four were amazing. Yeah, like, brought it up. No, I think it's fun to just think about. I didn't say we had to come to some official answer. The the bullpen is more interesting to me because bullpens didn't really exist until... Yeah, so what are you talking about? Since like the 80s? Well, but that's what I mean is like it. people don't want to hear this, but guess what? Cody Allen and Brian Shaw are going to be in there. What? <laughs> what? You can't be serious. Who else? Brian be? Shaw? <laughs> Well, he's no I other, saw that guy pitch here. What's crazy is you try to name relievers. Who were the Indians' best relievers in that 90s stretch? And it's like, okay, well, Jose Mesa had an amazing 95, but was never able to... Why didn't you... Why is no Addie Joss love? Yeah, Addie Joss. Kovaleski? Was never able to duplicate that. Like, Mike Jackson was really good for a couple years, but, like, that was... It was short-lived. Like, they didn't have relievers who stuck around long, like Ricardo Rincon, like Steve Reed, Carse. Carse had a couple good years. But what what Cody Allen and Brian Shaw have done is kind of unprecedented in franchise history. And so it's going to be, like, you're going to hate the Indians' all-time bullpen, but it's going to be Bob Wickman and Cody Allen. That's just how this goes. You you first, this is how relievers go, this is the, the the lifeline of a reliever with the team that they're with. They burst onto the scene, and you love them because they come in and they put out fires, and they're not the guy that you currently hate. Right. Then they stick around long enough, they blow a few games, and you start to hate them. Most of them, you get to a point where either their career fades or they go elsewhere, and that's where it ends. It's the ones that are super good that then stick stick around long enough. Like, you look at guys that are in the conversation for Hall of Fame, you know, Billy Wagner, uh... Trevor Hoffman, obviously Mariano Rivera. You, they stick around long enough, and they're good enough that you eventually, by the end of their careers, love them again. But that's just how a reliever goes. Like, yeah. when Brian Shaw first got here, I, I don't remember, but if he went back to 2013, people probably thought, hey, this guy's kind of good. He comes in all the time, gets all these ground balls, he gets guys out, and he's not Chris Perez. I love this guy. So Chris Perez might be on this team. <laughs> uh, Betancourt and Rafael Perez. 
probably on it. Bedcourt for sure. Yeah. Rafael Perez. Rafi left. Rafi right. Raff. Yeah. Bettencourt. He was good for a while. He had a couple years stretch. And like oh five, oh six, oh seven. Coincidentally, it also took him a couple years to throw every pitch. <laughs> so that's why it lasted as long. As <sighs> yeah, I don't. Bullpen's tough. Hitting is going to be the uh, strength of this team. No doubt. Yeah. But they could have changed that if they would have traded Jarrett Wright for Pedro Martinez. How's your intestinal turmoil going? I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't eaten press dining yet today. All right. You ready for a random Indian? I am. This is the 1998 Cleveland Indians media guide. This is... Wait, before we do that. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll do that quickly. But should we tell people what we do during rain delays? Oh, God. What did we should, do? Should we tell people what happens in the press box during rain delays? Well, I do my q and I'm working hard. You uh, guys are you, just screwing around. You often do your Q&A and question yourself every time you do it, and then you just continue to do it. But what about last night? Last night was pretty brutal. Two-hour, ten-minute rain delay, and a boring game after it. And I, I kind of wanted to watch Hard Knocks, and I didn't get to watch it because of that. Oh, man. And I'm also because sure I don't have HBO. Enough. I'm sure you watched enough clips. But I was thinking more along the lines of our little visitor that we had in front of us last night. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. They were once named the Cleveland Spiders, and last night we were visited by an actual Cleveland Spider. This is pretty typical as we're in the front row. There are spiders in essentially every window in front of us. It's not just Cleveland. Kansas City, I had a giant one. They, for some reason, spiders love press box windows. They, they must. Uh, but anyhow, they're in essentially every corner you can find a web. Well, last night we are watching one. I think just the rain delay had just ended. Maybe the game had just started. We are watching one, and it's building the web. We're actually sitting there watching it build a web. And which one of us came up with the, the idea to throw something in the web? Uh, was it you? It might have been me. It might have been you. But you threw a piece of paper into the web. And I've never feared for my life more. And in that <laughs> moment, when the spider, within a millisecond, jumped down and started spinning a web around the piece of paper. Yeah, that was frightening. Imagine if that was... Imagine a lifelike spider. like I, I mean, like your size <laughs> attacking you based on just what you see what it did with that piece of paper. It, was, it kind of infiltrated my nightmares last night. So anyways, I, I thought we would share a story of what actually takes place behind the scenes. And that was the only paper thrown that actually got caught in the web. Apologies to anyone sitting in the section behind home plate who may have gotten home from the game and found 30 wadded up pieces of paper. (laughs) Uh, So, baseball used to have like no off days. I'm looking at the Indian schedule from 98. It was weird. And this was the second year of interleague. And it was the first year that the Rays and the Diamondbacks existed, and there was no unbalanced. There was no unbalanced schedule, so you played everybody pretty similar number of times. So, like, there are multiple trips to Texas, multiple trips to Tampa. Would you like this? I want that. I want them to bring this back. It would be hell I, for us traveling wise, but it would be so much more fun. I think it was a lot of a lot more fun when you didn't play the division nineteen times. Each. Yeah. Now, granted, it's worked out beautifully for the Indians the past couple of years with the the division down, and you can basically just feast on really, really bad teams. But from a fan standpoint of just seeing fun matchups, it would be cool to see, you know, whether they rotated every 
every couple of years where you get two Yankee trips here and then the next year two yeah. trips to Yankee Stadium instead of just the one. And that's why, you know, I feel like we say this every single week on this podcast. I don't care about what happened in May in a matchup against the Yankees when right. Alexei Agondo was throwing two innings. It's not the same Indians team. It's not the same Yankee team. They either. played the Mariners in freaking March. Like that's not gonna. It doesn't matter now, and it's not gonna matter in October. That's why I don't. I don't care. I about had someone tweet at me today and say, that, "I think the problem with the Indians is that they've had a bad record against teams above five hundred. Don't, don't care. Yeah. What is what is the May Indians who didn't have Hand and Simber and maybe a healthy Andrew Miller? How how is is that going to tell me anything about this current squad? Yeah. Doesn't no, make I agree. We've harped on that plenty. All right. This was a pitcher on All the right. 1998 on the roster. I don't know if he – he didn't – I don't know if he pitched for the Indians in 98. He pitched for the Indians, I know for a fact, 2000, 2001. Okay. A left-handed pitcher. Need more clues? Left-handed pitcher, 1998, and he pitched. This is the 90. I don't know what it because it was before 98, so I, it doesn't show if he pitched for them in 98. Ah, okay. I, I can remember him in 2000 and 2001. Maybe not 2000, maybe just 2001. Okay. So you're looking at what he did in 1997. Yeah, 97. He was pretty bad for AAA Columbus. I need more clues. Okay, left-handed pitcher. So he... He was a first number 18 selection. He was their 18th round pick, I guess, in 1996. He... All right, here, here's what I'm going to tell you. This might give it away, but... The thing he's... I remember him for and why I know he pitched in 2001 is because he pitched in the comeback game against when the Indians came back from 14-2 to in the seventh inning and won 15-14. to He pitched in that game. Left-handed pitcher. He relieved Dave Burba. And the more I think about it, I actually think that might have been his Major League debut. Because I did an oral history on this a couple years ago, and I talked to this guy. I think that might have been his debut, August 5th, 2001. Lefty pitcher. Totally blanking. Got one more clue. You need it? I think I do. He served up Barry Bonds' 756th home run. I don't remember. I'm out. You stumped me with Joe Inglet last time. Yeah. Mike... Bassick. Ah, yes. Tall lefty. He's now Traded doing the Mets. Yeah, was he was, in the at the Robbie Almar trade. Yeah, he's now doing. He pitched for a number of teams, and he had some longevity. I mean, he gave up Bonds home run. In, it was two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he now does radio in Dallas, I believe. Huh. And I know he pitched for the Rangers. So, all right. Last thing before we go, you mentioned the first year, that being the first year of the Rays, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at mm-hmm. that time. And the Diamondbacks. So, just out of fun, shits and giggles, I pulled up the Tampa Bay Rays opening day lineup from 1998. Are you ready? Can I try to name some of these? Sure. Center fielder leading off. Hold on. Can I give you the shortstop? Kevin Stocker? It is Kevin Stocker. Okay. Former Philly, I think. 
Can I give you Greg Vaughn? Or did he come over the next year? Greg Vaughn is not in the lineup. Jose Canseco? Jose Canseco. Is he in this lineup? He is not in this lineup. Fred McGriff? Fred McGriff is hitting cleanup at first base. That's probably all I've got. So this shows you lineup construction at this time. Quentin McCracken. Oh, yeah. Off in center field. Hitting second, Miguel Cairo. Okay. Wasn't he the one that like hit with his hands separated? Yeah, it was kind of weird. He played for the Yankees for a little bit. He did. Uh, third baseman, easy. Red Sox, Evan Yankee. Longoria. No. Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs, yeah. Hit his 3,000th hit with the Rays against the Indians. It, it was, was a home run. run. And he kissed home plate. first person to do that for it uh, to be a home run? Uh, I don't know. Did Jeter do that? Yeah. His 3,000th was. It was a home run and he went five for five. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Respect. Uh, cleaning up, Fred McGriff. In left field, Mike Kelly. Who? Paul Sereno, DH. Oh, Paul Sereno. John Flaherty, the catcher. Dave Martinez in right field, who was later pinch hit for with Bob Smith. What? That's not. <laughs> and Kevin Stocker at shortstop. Batting ninth, who was uh, also pinch hit for coming in later in the game, Bubba Trammell. Bubba Trammell, yeah. Yeah, starting the game, Wilson Alvarez. Who was relieved by Dan Carlson, Dennis Springer, and Jim Messier. Jeez. Get fired up, Tampa. Interesting. All right. You can find us on Stitcher. That's one. Apple Podcasts. That's one. Podbean. Yeah. That's that, good Good job. Um, I'm out. Google? Did you mention Google? Google Play. Spotify? Spotify. Yeah. And late-breaking news... Evan Marshall has been activated from the DL and optioned to the Clippers. So glad we can get that in before the end of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, say nice things, say bad things, whatever. Just as long as you're reviewing us and giving us five stars, that's all we really care about. See, we thought we had nothing to talk about. We went 43 minutes. And talked about nothing until next week. Seinfeld pulled nine seasons out of that. (laughs) We can see what we pull out of our ass next week. We're out. See ya.